Hey everybody, welcome back to the part two of Jack Carroll Memoirs. I have with me Jack Carroll. If you remember from the first episode, we had quite a few adventures and exciting, interesting things to talk about. This time we're going to follow up with the mansion story that we had teased in the last episode, as well as some other new and interesting encounters. So go ahead and we'll just, we'll just start slow and then we'll hit the ground running and then we'll go full speed into this sort of interesting and remarkable encounters. So say hello to the kids again, Jack. How's it going? Uh, it's going pretty good, uh, Chris. Everything's going fine. Hope everybody out there is doing good. We'll try to do the best we can. You guys bear with me. As I told you before, I'm not much a speaker, but I will tell you the truth. Yeah. Well, don't worry too much about that because we're here to hear your story. And the last episode was very well received. Everybody is, is we're, we're hungry for more. And there is a lot that we left out in the first episode because it's, it's a lot of adventure, a lot of accounts. And, and I, I want to say adventures because for me, you know, this stuff doesn't happen to me because I'm boring as heck, but, <laughs> but you've had an interesting life and these encounters are just part of it. They're, they're, they're part of it, a remarkable part of it. And what I, I really want to hear more of these accounts. So you have these, you're, you're in the process of writing a book right now, which is your memoirs. Correct. And we're, as we're getting it together, we're just discussing some of the accounts that you're going to find in the book once it's completed and out. We'll, we'll start, we'll go ahead and just start and hit the ground running. We, we don't want to have too much introduction because we had a lot of that in the first episode and we're just going to pick up where we left off. So let's go ahead and talk about there was an incident where you were walking in the woods and there were several other people with you in the woods and you ran into a, um, what I can best describe as a golden bubble. That's correct. That's correct, Chris. This was uh, very interesting. I'll just pick up on some of the basics here. Uh, I was found myself just wandering around in the woods and uh, I came upon this large tree and I noticed uh, several people probably Oh, I don't know, probably 25, maybe, maybe more people around it, uh, as if they were waiting for something. And, uh, they're all looking at, looking up. And what I see is appears to be a golden bubble. And this thing is probably in six or seven feet in circumference. Uh, inside of it, it was so strange as it got closer to the ground. I could see a, a humanoid person inside this thing. And I thought, wow, this is, what is this? And uh, it begins to come closer to the ground and closer. And inside is this person, probably about five six, five seven, and he looks somewhat humanoid. I think he had a a red jumpsuit on with a black belt, if I can remember correctly. Anyway, it was it was very interesting as this thing came down to the ground. The golden bubble just seemed to burst as if you, a regular bubble that you'd have you know when you were hmm. kids playing with yeah. soap suds yeah that's interesting and uh, this guy begins to walk on the ground amongst us and he says uh would anyone care to go to their home world and everybody just clammed up i, I couldn't hear a thing from anybody you could heard a pin drop that that's interesting that he said he said their home world did he say their home world as in my home world or or their home world as in your home world is in theirs there's his home. Like, like where they originally came from. Okay. All right. I, and I, I thought, wow, this would be interesting. I'd love to see where my home world was. So I said, I just blurred out, yeah, I would like to go. Mm. Nobody else said a word. They just kept quiet. 
Yeah, what what happened to all these other people? Were they? I don't I don't really know. I was I was as I noticed as as I looked around and began to notice I noticed a a, a very a very arrowhead pointed black craft sitting on the ground by a large tree where it had mm-hmm. landed, and I thought, oh my gosh. Look at this thing. Anyway, I, to make a long story short, the best I can remember is I was taken by this guy up to the craft, mm-hmm. and it had it had very low landing gear to it, and I just kind of stepped aboard it, and I was led inside this craft. Yeah. Now this thing was was black, arrow shaped, very very sleek, and appeared to be probably around. A hundred feet long. Yeah. What what I find interesting here is the the individual, the the man. He didn't. It appears as though he didn't come in the craft, or no. maybe he, if he came the craft, I guess he had his own mode of transport. It, it he appears had as his own he, mode he of transportation. Yes, by, and that was by floating in this golden bubble. And, and then, this thing, this golden bubble, was beautiful. Yeah. You should have seen it. It was <laughs> it, it was transparent, and he he was just. It was really. He was, it was no effort for him to float down to the ground. But once it touched the ground, it, it burst or disappeared. And, uh. Yeah. And then I guess the craft was for, I guess, for the, the, the people specifically to take them on the journey. Yes, it was. Okay. It was. And this was basically a interstellar craft. It could go hmm. in any place, anywhere. Okay. And then, and then, okay. Then take us, take us into the, the craft pickup. Once, I guess. once my, Chaperone, I guess you would would call him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was human, humanoid, but different. You know, yeah. his he had uh, blue gun colored uh, grayish metal skin, and uh, his ears appeared to be a little higher than ours, with a slight pointed to him on either mm-hmm. side. I think that's the one that led me up the short uh, stairwell. It was a very low landing gear on this thing. It was almost like it was sitting on the ground, like you'd shoot an arrow out of a uh, bow, you know, and yeah. it was just laying on the ground. Anyway, <clears throat> I was led aboard this craft. As I entered this craft, I had, I had a, a person taking me in there. I noticed that um, once I got my eyes adjusted to, to the inside, it appeared to be much bigger from the inside than it was the outside. And as I walked in there, it was almost like a movie theater. Hmm. The seats were very plush, like you would see in a nice movie theater. Uh, it was basically all empty except for one person up in the top right corner of it. And I thought, wow. Well, this person up there never acknowledged us coming in that I was aware of. Hmm. And anyway, he was the only one there or she or that person up in his right side of this crap. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so my chaperone takes me and and uh takes me down a little ways from the front of the craft to to one of the seats it was close to the uh entryway where we went in mm-hmm. and I was sat down in the in this nice plush comfortable seat and um he began to take a harness like device and put over my shoulders and before it was latched and shut and I was locked in I asked him, I said, well, this is really interesting. I said, how long will this take? He says, oh, to you, he says, it'll probably be about 25. Uh, you, you'll think it's only anywhere from maybe uh, 35 to 45 minutes. Mm-hmm. But actually, 
about a hundred years on earth would have already passed. Hmm. And it was at that point that things just seemed to black out. Hmm. I don't remember anything after that, except for the time that we were there. Hmm. Yeah. Once, once this take, took place, uh, the, the only other memory I have is waking up when they're taking this harness off of me and I'm thinking, wow, we're here already, you know, but actually about a hundred years of earth time had passed. Mm -hmm. That's how long it took me to get to my, my home planet. Hmm. Yeah. And, and I think I remember reading, was there, did you see someone else in the harness seat, like right next to you or? No, no, I didn't see anybody. I was okay. like the only one. And there is a, the same person is there that I saw when I came in the craft. Okay. So I assumed he was going further than me. I, man, he must have been going a long ways. Okay. Because if 100 years would have passed, Earth years would have passed, I would, would have been gone a long time. Once I got unstrapped, I woke up, and I, I was led out of the craft. Mm -hmm. And uh, as I began to see my home world, I noticed as I walked out of the craft, I looked at my hands and my arms and they appeared to have a gun colored uh bluish kind of almost like a snake skin appearance my so, skin had everything had changed so not not only had you gone a hundred years in the future somehow you had gone my, through some transformation my physical okay. transformation had taken place mm, that, that's interesting i i got off of the craft i stepped off and it was same landing gear same very low landing yeah, gear yeah. I, as i stepped off the craft it, it was the same way i went on that hadn't changed and i look over underneath this big tree and i see my my real family there hmm. and I, I can only describe it as unconditional love was there hmm. And uh, they all looked, hey, they didn't look like humans, but they, they were very, very humanoid, yeah. you know. And uh, I couldn't wait to see them. They were so anxious to see me as if they had been waiting for a while for the craft to get there. Hmm. And I met them, and uh, they loved, patted me on the back, and, you hmm. know, they just hugged me, and they were so... Uh, so loving that was my home family like, like, I, I knew that's where i really came yeah. from some i guess like a star family reunion yeah it, was, it could have been yeah i'm sure that's yeah. what it was i i kind of I have to wonder if they 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 took you to a place where there was like a, a tree i have to wonder if like other ships took them like individuals like to that place as well or or i'm just openly speculating so i i really don't know because it, it's i have to wonder if they if some of those individuals took the same journey you did or if, if like how, if how that was arranged, you know, yeah. cause they were all there, you know, waiting. Oh yes. And, and that, that's, that's an interesting thing. Cause that would take a lot of work. It would that have would take a lot of work, but with a craft like that, it sounds like that would be, you know, easy pickings for them. It would have been possible. Very easy for them. I'm sure. And I'm sure they went to many other worlds with that craft. It, it had the ability to, to travel many many light years uh, I'm, I'm sure it did because it had the plush seats <laughs> so. oh it was comfortable in there man it was like the most plush and they were red seats they were red yeah. very soft velvety man you couldn't ask for anything better for a long ride it was perfect 
That's good. That's it good. was so, great. So you got you got the luxury edition. That's good. <laughs> yeah, we got the best ride, man. It was cool. I uh, thought, boy, I hit the jackpot on this ride. <laughs> I'd love to do it again. Uh, yeah. I mean, it also reminds me of the first time account when you were seven years old that you can hear about in the first episode um, of about where you had, again, had seen the, the an individual outside of the craft first and then they they led you into the craft like like it's it's almost as if sometimes when this craft is coming down i guess the individuals are just either they're already here doing their business and then they're they're going back into the craft or they're either getting picked up or as they're coming down they're getting dropped off like at a different location and they're doing something and and it's it's like this is the second time that we've seen like i i guess this sort of pattern of oh, behavior yes. Yes, Chris, that's right. Yeah. And and it's it's I, I find that very interesting because it's it's sort of like, you know, cuz a lot of us, you know, we think, well, they would they would they would all be riding within the craft, but then we don't know, you know, where they already here. And that's what I find interesting is is was most of these individuals already here. Yeah, yes, they were. Doing reconnaissance of some sort. Yeah, they all have a certain amount of time that they put here on earth and they're walking i i personally at this point in my life i personally feel that they, they are here already they they've been here for eons you know and they all have a certain task that they perform and yeah they have to get picked up just like we do uh just like we're uh making our way from one destination to the next you know from mm -hmm. one job to the next our mode of transportation can vary yeah. sure and so, and so you you meet with your family and then what? Take us, take us back to that. Oh, I met with my family and it was just unconditional love. Mm. And I couldn't wait till I could get home and see where I had lived. Now, and, and did you, in the back of your mind, when you first saw them, you knew you knew them? Oh or, yeah, or they were, they, they were, they were my family, my loved ones. It was, just, it, uh, it was unconditional love, but it was, uh. It was like an instinctual connection. Uh, yeah, like, more of a basic like instinct. Not a, not a conscious memory. Like, yeah. You may not have known them, but you've known, you've had that, the feeling that you knew them. Oh, yes. But this, this was my star family. Mm -hmm. I, it was so much unconditional love there. Mm -hmm. And I've had that happen before in the past of meeting other ETs. Uh, if, when you meet one, and as I said before, they're benevolent, they're, they are here. When you meet one, you you will you will know you'll feel unconditional love for these people. My, my wife Suzanne had encountered one actually here at our home, hmm. and she said, "Jack, I, I felt unconditional love for this man, and all I wanted to do was just jump up and hug him." And she said, "He appeared to be probably over fourteen feet tall," hmm. and uh, she. she could go into detail and she never, uh, never deviated from one day to the next about what she had seen. Yeah. That, that's something we'll probably talk about later. Yeah. Um, take us back to, okay. So then you're there, you have the family reunion and then now you got to get back. Uh, well, let me tell you, here, yeah, because um, uh, spoiler alert, you make it because you're talking right now and this isn't a hundred years in the future. As far as I know, that, that's true. They, they have, ETs have, and have always had the ability to, uh, advance time, take a person, and as they age during their interstellar travel, they have a tendency to, uh, 
get to their destination, but when they when they bring you back, even though you've been gone a hundred or hundred and fifty years or so, what you may have aged, you're gonna age they can they can regress you back to where the time they took you. So if you if you went on a journey and you went and you stayed uh uh several years at the time you may have aged you wouldn't want to be, you know, 30 years older and wake up one morning and look yourself in the mirror and say, yeah, oh, my God. When, look. when you were visiting your family, how long were you there? Not long enough. Yeah. It, it was it was uh, just almost right away after I saw my family. And so I, and so I, they, they wouldn't have had any need to regress you, like, ageless. They, they would have just had to, okay, we've got to make sure we put him in. You know, October twenty seventh of whatever, yeah. not October twenty eighth or whatever. They just they didn't have to worry about regressing you. They just had to worry about putting you back in the proper slot, the proper the time proper calendar frame, year. proper yeah, pop, okay, yeah, the proper time. And and if they can, yeah. you know, transverse the stars, and of, you know, we would think, of course, they would have because you would have to require some form of of time manipulation because exactly of the, now you. Be, do you believe that this was another place, like another planet, or do you believe it was another dimension? Uh, well, that you've got me there. I don't yeah, know okay. if it's another dimension or another planet. It was it was another time, another but, level. But it, as, as far as they had explained it to you, it was a hundred years. Had passed from the yeah, time that so. okay. I would be returned back, I guess. Right. So then... All right. So then they they told me they said everyone yeah. if we returned you back at that time, everyone you ever knew would have been gone. Yeah, it would have been gone for like mm -hmm. a couple generations. Yeah, at least, yeah. yeah. The the reunion ends, you have your goodbyes and then what? Yeah, next thing you know, I I wake up in my bed. Hmm. So they found just the perfect time and place just to just to plot you in so that way you wouldn't be missed. Exactly. And I guess it's good that they put you in the bed instead of leaving you in the forest. Yes, that would have been a confusing mess. Because <laughs> then sure. you would have had to walk home. Especially for an old country boy like me, yes. It's like, hey, could you guys at least give me a ride? <laughs> yeah. Could you at least give me a ride? I would have, you, you took me 100 yeah, years. I would have given Taking anything me down for the street an interstellar transport be... back to my, my place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that, is, that, is, that, is a, that is a charming adventure. That, that is a remarkable Experience. It, was, it was an experience. Yeah. Yes, it was. A lot of people have these sort of, um, they, they feel these sort of, they, they encounter different entities. And I guess I have to wonder, you know, I guess some have some sort of connected lineage to them. Yes. And I guess when people experience different type of entities, I wonder if that lineage also crosses with them, if there's some sort of cross pollinization of the, of the between the ETs, not just between us and them, but between all of them that would give them license to that they would all interact with us because in a way they they all would have a piece of us. They all in would. them, yes. Type of thing. I I do wonder about that. They're striving. I feel, and my wife has always felt too, and I I feel this strongly. They're they're striving to have us. All basically to become more spiritual, uh, less warring, mm. just be better, better yeah, people, yeah. better. Yeah. Good, good luck with that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and I, I hope mean, we achieve that sometime. Yeah. I, I think there is some movement for us to, to be like less of that, to be more, I guess, to get closer to family and stuff like that. But of course, yeah. 
the there are many you know external forces that you know they they got to make yeah, their bank. And, that's true. And their bank is in blood. Our, so, our our family structure, as we know it at this time, is is we're losing a lot of our ability to control uh, what's going on around us. We're we're so involved in technology right now. We we've we forgot our basics of just family structure and loving one another. Yeah. yeah I mean, it's like the technology has been a double-edged sword in that yeah. we can connect to everyone around the world, but at the same time, it's very difficult to talk to the person across right next to you, sitting right next to you. That's true. We're losing our ability to humanly connect. Yeah. You might say. Yeah. yeah. And, and not everyone is an algorithm, you know, type that's, of thing. That's true. All right. That's true, Chris. Yeah. So let's, let's go ahead and, dive into one of your more uh, interesting yet harrowing experiences, which was you found oh. yourself in a mansion now. now oh, yeah. Let, let me – how you got there and the time you spent there, we're going to probably have to take a closer look and chewing on that, but go ahead and, and introduce us to that account. That was my trip to the mansion. And what I mean to the mansion, it was, it was really something extraordinary for me. This has never happened to me before, but – I find myself being taken aboard this craft, and I don't know for something, you know, to happen the way it did. I just ended up being taken a, a short distance in this craft, and we were taken to a desert area, appeared to be, and it could have been Nevada, it could have been New Mexico, I, I don't know, but it we got there almost instantly from being taken in this craft. And then from that point there, we were taken off the craft, and it felt like we were put in a a vehicle, or possibly a bus with a, no windows. I could feel movement in it. You and, and other people. Other people, yeah. yes. And we were taken uh, by the amount of time we spent on this this ride. It couldn't have. I could tell that it, we were taken across several thousands of acres of. Desert floor, I guess, as best I can explain it. And then we were taken off this this ride, <clears throat> and lo and behold, in front of us is this huge mansion mm-hmm. out in the desert. It's beautiful, and uh, it, it's several stories high. And we were taken in, and when I got inside, it was as if there was other people in there. You know, it was almost like a ball party or something, you know. Mm-hmm. But it was really interesting, and once you start walking around, my God, the inside of this the, this mansion was really different than anything I'd ever seen. Materials that uh, wood, the uh, marble, the the metals in this building were unlike anything I'd ever seen before in my life. Mm-hmm. And it had all this technology, all this technology in it. And I thought, my gosh, what would it have taken to have produced such? quality and technology that this place has in it. And and this was, as far as you could tell, middle of nowhere, away from everything. Away from everything. Uh, on a uh, spread of property, 100,000 of acres. Mm. And... Um, so far away from prying eyes, you know, and, and really a person would have to have to drive for a long ways to get to this property. So I don't think they could. And, do it and I'm guessing since the, it was, it, it's the appearance of a mansion. So even if people were able to pierce in with satellites, it would just look like a regular house. 
like a regular, like a, you know, oh, that's just another mansion. No biggie. Nothing, nothing it to would see have, here. It would have been a big mansion. Yeah. yeah really. Okay. And it, it was so fascinating. There, there was nothing outwardly, until you got close to it, there was nothing outwardly, as far as you could tell, suspicious. Yeah, it could it could have been uh, camouflage, so to speak. Mm-hmm. If, uh, say, Google Earth was to be flying yeah. over map uh, mapping as they do, uh, it could have it could have just been another structure. Yeah, just way another out in, in the desert. Map. You know, one of one of many, as far as we can. One tell. of many. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then you you go in. It's very, and then what? Well, I'm looking around. I mean, I, I see people in there, and some of the people I, I thought one of the people i didn't know if he was the one that uh on the on the mansion or not but he very strange he appears to be probably around five seven five eight you know tall and dark hair and uh he appears to be either uh spanish or portuguese and he walks up close to me as we're getting close to each other we go to shake hands and uh as i extended my hand out to shake his he reaches his hand out to shake mine. It's kind of odd. I don't know why he did that. But as a, before he, we would shake hands, he would just raise his hand up and, and as if pulling a joke on me, you know. Mm-hmm. And then I'd pull my hand back. Then he'd put his hand forward, and I'd put my hand forward. And then he'd pull his back, and he would smile at me. And I thought, why is this guy doing this? Well, yeah. I had enough of this, so I just, <laughs> yeah. I just turned away. I, I said, well, I, good, I totally get that. It's like, yeah, good, good luck. Just, good luck, friend. Uh, yeah, I wish you well being here. A weirdo. Yeah, yeah. yeah I okay. thought, yeah, he's just pulling a trick on me. So mm-hmm. I had enough of that foolish behavior. So I began to walk around this mansion. And man, is the technology in there is unbelievable. They had this thing like a, uh, like a flight simulator for airplanes. But it, this was not for airplanes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I actually got to get in there and look at this. And the controls were so strange. Like he put on, like he put on a helmet, mm-hmm. but it wasn't really a helmet. And whatever you, the next control move you wanted to make, you would think it and it would do it for you. Mm. Very strange. Very so strange. I, I guess the closest thing that we would have to relate to that would be like some sort of ultra super advanced VR equipment. I, I guess as so. far as the I uh, guess yeah, because so. we have things where we put like a pair of goggles on exactly, and that's that's sort of so. Everything that you had seen was through the helmet. No, I could visually see it. I could visually see it. It had a screen and everything. Okay, so it was, was like a... Uh, you were standing in front of a screen and then the helmet yeah. was the controller. Well, the controls, that's just it. I couldn't ever figure them out. Uh, with this with this helmet or this apparatus over your head, uh, you, you could you could think for the next move that you wanted on this craft. And it, it, you, you would, before you could use it, your hands physically or anything, it would actually make the move for you it was very little time that i got to spend on this it was just as if maybe you know they would just show you this right quick and then you would get through with it and then the next person i guess would show as part of a a trip you might say okay like it to like a field trip yeah yeah yeah, and you were getting to play with all the toys you know yeah but not for a long time there were other people because there were other people there Hmm. yeah did you did you uh strike up a conversation with many of these other people uh, you know, I felt like I was there probably 
three to six weeks. I couldn't tell. I felt like I was there that long. Was there like a regular schedule, like like no bedtime or or no? At that time, I was allowed to go anywhere, anytime I wanted to, throughout this mansion. And I'm sure other people were were doing the same thing. One thing I really found fascinating was the elevator that took you from one floor to the next. This elevator appeared to be on the outside of the mansion. Hmm. And what you would do, you would just walk out, and it was like a pyramid, like a triangle-shaped flagpoles that were the makeup of this uh, elevator and all you would do you would like you were going to step out and go from one floor to the next you would just step out of the door into just blank space but it wasn't blank it had a solid structure underneath but it was all transparent and you step your foot on it and it was as solid as you're stepping on a uh, uh, good elevator floor you know good elevator Mm -hmm. and uh, and it was I I remember this thing being white flagpole-looking apparatus with golden bubbles on top, hmm. golden round balls on top. And you would just walk in there, and then it would either take you up or down or wherever you wanted to go. Hmm. And it, it was really it was really fascinating. I'll never forget those three flagpole-looking apparatus things. And, and as far are, as you could tell, there was no mechanical apparatus taking you up and down the floors. It's just you step on the floor and it took you and where, then you're, you're where at the floor. they wanted, basically, they wanted you to go. Okay. So it, it yeah. took you to whatever, whatever yeah. the assigned floor yeah. was. That's right. Hmm. I remember, uh, one time I got on it and as it, instead of going up, instead of going down, it went up and it went higher and higher. And then I began to get up way above the roof of this mansion. I thought, Hey, man, this is great. I'm going to get to ask for project again. Hmm. And it took me up higher and higher. And it was like I was floating on a cloud, you know. It was very comfortable. And I thought, man, I am going to get the astral project. But that never happened. I I was tethered to it. I was way above the clouds, and I could see all over the place. And then I was taken down again. It got down to the ground, and that was the end of my ride. (laughs) And what else happened was next thing happened that was really scary. I thought, well, it's time for me to, to leave, you know. I went to meet other people and and it uh, it was it was really was really something it was kind of a disappointment in a way because I knew my my trip to the mansion was over with so I began to work my way down through through the crowd and everything and uh it was getting late later in the evening and I walked past this uh it looked like a reflecting pool hmm. and uh inside this pool I noticed a old lady just sitting in this reflecting pool and she She's was just in, in the water. In, in the water. Yeah, she was in the water and she never, never could stand up or she could, couldn't lay flat. And how, how uh, deep was the, the water, do you think? You know, it appeared to be maybe no more than a, not more than a foot. Hmm. And, and she began to slide across the bottom of this thing towards me. And you have to remember, I'm, I'm getting ready to leave, you know. Yeah. And she's sliding closer to me, and I noticed that her face was horribly disfigured, hmm. as if her face had been melted from one side of her eyebrow all the way down across her nose on the other side, you know, hmm. as if something had burned her really bad. And um, she slid over to me, and she said, they did this to me. Hmm. And I thought, oh, my God, how, who could do this to an old lady, you know? And uh, 
as she got closer to me, she said, they did this to me. And I noticed that they had also, on her forehead, there was a bat, a regular bat tattooed on her forehead. And it was in a partial sitting pose with its wings up just a little bit. And I, I felt so bad for her. I said, I'm sorry that they did this to you. I mean, I really wanted to help that old lady. And she, all she ever said was, they did this to me. I said, I'm so sorry they did this to you, but I, I don't think I can do anything to help you. And I wanted to help her so bad. It was painful. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, as I was making my way past the reflecting pool, I came to a crowd of people. And it looked like a little going away party or something. And as I'm there walking through this crowd, I'm, I'm figuring it's time for them to take me home. I, I noticed this real tall person in, in the group, and he appeared to be just the, you remember the program, The Munsters, they had many years ago? Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, with Herman Munster and such as that. They had this one tall one they called uh, Lurch. And okay, that, I that's that what I named Adam's family. Yes, there you go. That's the one I named. I named this one Lurch. And Lurch yeah. was walking around, and he has this silver tray in his hand. And uh, inside this tray, there's these little round objects in there. And come to find out, they look like mealworms of some type. A mealworm has four four stages of well, how do you say uh, until it develops? It's, it it has four stages that it goes through until it develops. Well, anyway, it develops. Once it develops into this uh, this little thing, it's a, it ends up being a little worm, you know. And Lurch has this silver spoon, and he's taking each little mealworm, and he's going over to each guest and puts this up to their nose. And all all, all of a sudden, this this worm goes up their nose. <laughs> and I, the only thing I can describe it is it must be an implant of some kind, <laughs> as an organic implant or you know, something like that. And uh, he's working his way over towards me. And I'm thinking, man, I don't want any part of these party favors. And uh, yeah. he, he uh, gets closer to me. And I said, no, thank you. I, I, I'm full. I've had enough. I'm I'm good. I'm just going to leave here. Yeah, no, well, here. that went to no avail, man. He didn't care if I, if I left or not. He just knew he was going to finish his task. And that was to give me my party favor. Well, before I knew it, he was right there, and man, up my nose went that party favor. And I thought, oh my God, I hope this ain't does his job. I guess that it's, it's painless, you know. Yeah. So anyway, it was it was crazy. And then the next day, it frightened me, you know. And uh, next thing, you know, I, I wake up in my bed. Hmm. I uh, told my wife about the incident, and uh, we kind of. Talked about it for a while. You know, we had our coffee that morning and kind of talked about this. And anyway, I kind of forgot about it. Well, three days later, I happened to just go in the bathroom after my coffee, went to blow my nose. And this thing comes out of my, my nose is bloody. And uh, I wish I would have kept what came out of my nose, but it was, I, I didn't do it. I just thought, oh, my gosh, you know. Apparently, whatever... The party favor was it had done its job, and that was that was that was it for that incident. Hmm. Yeah, that, there were other parts to it, and inside there, other things that happened in the mansion. But uh, I just don't want to go into it. 
No. It's, it's, yeah, it does sound very peculiar that you're taken to the sort of, I guess, clandestine area and then you're shown all these things and it, it, it sounds almost parallel to like, again, when you were seven years old, you go into the craft and then they take you to the auto shop, except this one, you're, you're instead, you're at a, um, sort of, uh, this is like an entire complex. Yes. As, oh, as yeah. far as you can tell, it's, it's on earth. Yes. You're, you're still here. Or I can tell. I gotta like wonder, like, what is the purpose of, is this some sort of like market research that, that, that I, whoever yeah. they are, are doing or, or. Yeah, I'm Chris, to, I think you're yeah. right. I think you're right. I think it's, it's, uh, it's just an ongoing experiment with us and they're, they've been doing it for thousands of years and, and we're at this stage of evolution now where it, it's, it's still going on. I don't mm-hmm. think it'll ever quit. I don't believe it'll ever stop. But it wasn't, I don't, I wasn't aware that I was tortured, tortured or injured or, or probed on or anything at that visit. It was very benign now, as far as being there. It was just now, like they wanted to show me things. Yeah. Just get your reaction. Okay. Yeah. And when you come back, as far as you know, it hasn't been three weeks when you come back. When you wake up in your bed, you're not waking up in your bed three weeks later. No, no. No, it's like, it's like, uh, you know, when you have one of these experiences, uh, they, they can come and they don't physically take your body, but they take your consciousness, your, your whole, your spirit and your soul, I guess, and, and take your whole essence of what you are. Did it, did it feel like you were astral projecting again? No, not so, at all. Not at all. Okay. As I said earlier, I hadn't been able to astral project until I, uh, after I made my, Person must have been breaking the rules that I, uh, they didn't allow me to astral project. Mm. But I do remember it was, it was, uh, I always wondered what I did wrong that would uh, cause me to get that, I would say, a punishment. If you break the rules flying or something like that, you lose your flying license. So you got, you got grounded. Basically, yes, I was grounded and it was painful. And it's mm-hmm. been painful ever since. I've tried to astral project on many occasions, haven't been able to do it. Huh. Yeah. So I guess whatever it is that this facility was, it was able to take you, and I guess either front load this experience into you, and then take you back again to your bed like nothing happened. Mm-hmm. And I guess I guess from they they would have had to have had the resources to either to I guess give you a massive download or or somehow bend time. That's to right. allow this to go off without a hitch. That's right. They've been doing it for millions of years to us, and uh, far as I'm concerned, it will keep going on. And and from the uh, sounds of it, it sounds like some people don't come back. I'm sure some people don't come back, uh, but it's something that's ongoing. And for some reason or another, it, it's it's what they're doing. It, it'll probably just keep going on and yeah, on. And, and Not all experiences are bad. Some yeah. are some are beautiful. Some are beautiful. And, oh, and from what I from what I've gathered and what I've learned, there are good ETs out here. Yeah. They're watching over us, and they're going to be here protecting us no matter what. And and it seems like you know there there's always some little off putting thing here, and and it's it's what's. You know, it, it's a thing where, where I, I really, do, it's, it's curious. It's very, very curious. That's, that's the only way that I can best describe it, you know, cause 
because I, I can only I'm I'm trying to understand it and grip with it. It's hard, but to believe. it's very hard, you know. And I and all I can do is just ask questions at this yeah, point. Yeah, that, that's true. Yeah, but it, it it's, is it's very it's, it's very hard. hard to believe. I mean, who would believe this stuff? Yeah. But you have to realize this is ongoing. It's been going on for a long time, and um, it it'll just it'll just. Yeah. Keep going on, yeah, it, I mean, and but it, it's and for it seemed a, like, a reason. It seemed like you you've played ball enough that that you know that that you're you're able to come back from your experiences. You, yeah, you live they, to tell it that they've let me live yeah. this long. Yes, yeah. uh, I, I think it all started from uh, when I was seven years old when I had the experience of secret school. Not only have I gone to the secret school, but they have. There's many other people mm-hmm. that you can read about that's gone to the secret school also in different parts of the country. I'm sure these secret schools are all over the globe and they teach us many things. It's preparation for contact as we get older. Hmm. Yeah, that, that, that is, that is a very curious thing that this stuff is probably still on. And with our, with the introduction of more technology, we're monitoring each other more than ever. So I guess they have to get sneakier and up their game. Oh, yes. More. Just like we're getting more technology yeah. through our night vision goggles. You, you go out and you hit the right spot. You're going to spot an ET, which he thinks that uh, he is invisible to his human eye, which no longer is possible for him at his uh, level of technology because we can spot them with night vision. And that is a very true fact that's happened. My wife and I have both seen them. But that's that's just at uh, that point. There's other points where I've I've had friends, uh, <clears throat> and you'll find that people that are interested in ETs and such as that, and have been all the time since they were little, have had experiences. They will always end up connecting with like minds. Uh, you will run into people that have had the same experiences or more experiences than mm-hmm. you. Those people seem to connect. Like magnets, you know, they, they, they're like minds. They understand. And there's this form of, uh, connection. I think that's going to bring us all together. Mm. All right. Well, the, the truth will come out. <laughs> yeah. We're going to run into people that are so, uh, unbelieving, unbelievers that, uh, they, they will never be able to have the ability to, uh, connect with people that have experiences and, for that, I feel bad for them, but uh, they, they're waking up real quick. There's more and more people coming around telling their stories. So if you have a good story out there <laughs> and, and you're not sure uh, exactly how to present it, yeah. the first thing is don't be, don't be afraid. Come out and, and express yourself. Let people know that you're having a story out there. It could, you could be helping for each story that you, you, we have, you may, you may connect with, 100,000 people that have had the same thing, but are afraid to open their mouth. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me about this time that you had taken, you and your wife had taken a trip to the mountain and then something, something happened. This is interesting. Very interesting. Uh, Okay. This, on this trip, we were waiting for the schedule to come up for a departure of a mothership. And this happens, supposed to happen once a month as Charles Hall's book, Millennial Hospitality, talks about. And he said that this thing, usually it will come in once a month and they land on the lake bed. Everything goes good. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so then on, on that mountain, 
then you're you're there with your friends and then you you go there regularly for um to catch the motherships that that um Mr. Hall had written about and this is sort of like a thing where like uh, um, a lot of people go out there for that type of thing and then you you're you're doing your thing and then someone just happens to you know mosey on by what what was that all about oh that was a shocker as i said there were seven of us mm-hmm. counting myself on the mountain two people from san antonio mm-hmm. three people from utah which mm-hmm. were our friends that we had connected mm-hmm. this was after the seminar that we put on for charles hall mm-hmm. in san antonio uh, <clears throat> we all decided to meet up i think it was july june july Mm-hmm. Uh, on the mountain we were going to try a new site we'd never been there before so we all managed to get out there and meet up and uh we were again at uh, 8600 feet elevation mm-hmm. that overlooked dogbone lake that overlooked uh uh creech air force base and, and it was fascinating but there was mm-hmm. supposed to have been a scheduled if it was to happen a scheduled takeoff of a tall white mothership that night all right so we we're setting up our, we arrived early and got there with our friends. And right before dark, we set up our cameras and everything. I mean, we were ready. You could just feel the excitement <laughs> in the air. You know, everybody <laughs> was ready, ready to go. And, uh, so uh, one of our doctor friends, he sets up his camera and telescope and everything. And yeah, you're, you're set up for a show. Oh, yeah. Ready yeah. We were ready for, for it. I mean, because <laughs> two times before we had missed takeoff because we were interrupted by an extraterrestrial. Uh, and, uh, once, once you get involved with an ET, let me tell you, the euphoria that you feel yeah. is just over over the roof. Yeah. Next thing you know, you're tripping over them. So. Oh my God! Yes. <laughs> yeah. Really. Really. So uh, okay. it was so, fascinating. So, so God, it was fascinating. I, I just, we're I just all... don't know. I, I know that at this point, I have come full circle <laughs> in my life. I have done everything. <laughs> So, so you're sitting there. You're you're ready, waiting for the yeah. show to start. Yeah, we're waiting for the show to start. You got your popcorn and soda. Oh man, we we've got to. Hey, let me tell you, when you get on that mountain, you get at the observation point, and you're looking out there over the over the the mountain range and everything, and you're looking across I uh, uh, ninety five north mm-hmm. across Air Force Base there, and and you just know something's going to happen. Mm. So out on that dry lake bed, we're watching all this stuff. Uh, all this beehive of activity in the mm. in the lake bed, and we're using our telescopes, you know, to watch this stuff. And I mean, they are busy. It looked like a bunch of ants hustling around. And uh, we know we're going to see it that night because they're all getting ready for it down there. So anyway, we were talking about this and that, and we were saying, well, we better get our coats and hoodies out of the car because it's going to because when the sun goes down on that mountain, it gets cold real fast. Yeah. Yeah. It can be 101 at the bottom, mm-hmm. but you know, at night it can drop down to 72 degrees. Mm-hmm. When the wind blowing, it's cold. <clears throat> so we were ready for it. Uh, we just, uh, knew, knew it was going to happen. So I've got my telescope set up and, and everything and we're waiting and it's getting darker and darker and we're looking at the stars and all the other activity, a few anomalies in the sky. Uh, we've got our night vision going and, and, and uh, mm-hmm. All of a sudden, uh, I'm thinking to the group, you know, why don't all of us just send out a telepathic vibe and, and call up a, a tall white? 
Hmm. So we did just that. I'm sure the others did the same thing. And, um, you know, this is Chris, this is hard to believe. Hmm. Within probably 20 minutes of doing that, we hear something shuffling down the trail. Hmm. And, uh, it's as if uh, this person is walking is having trouble with their gait. You know, they can't just get, they can't really walk. It's almost as if uh, this guy that's trying to walk is kind of intoxicated or something. Mm. And uh, anyway, we're, we're all sitting there and. Either they're intoxicated or they haven't got their earth legs yet. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, just that. And they say ETs have trouble really walking because, of, you know, it, it's so uh, hard for them sometimes, some of them, until mm. they get used to it. But then, uh, anyway, here, lo and behold, comes walking in our group, and I'm looking around with my night vision stuff, and, and then all of a sudden here in this loud voice, it says, this is my mountain. <laughs> Scared the hell out of all of us. Oh, we thought, gosh. his mountain? Well, we didn't recognize any hours of operation for someone's <laughs> viewing area, you know, we're all thinking about this, and everybody's kind of looking around, and. And and I I look up and standing there amongst us, this person, has got a hoodie on, got his head kind of set back on the hoodie a little bit, mm-hmm. and he's I'm thinking who is this guy? This guy couldn't be intoxicated or anything. Other group thinking the same thing, I'm sure. Yeah, who just does that? Who who just does that? Just yeah, walks up. Yeah, he just walks in and, group, and you know and just spits it out. This is my mountain. Well. I, I thought, wow, this this is something. So he was kind of walking around the group and, and uh, kind of intimidating uh, everybody. I mean, mm. he didn't want to get close to the guy. He either thought he's drunk or belligerent. Mm. And uh, anyway, uh, I'm thinking, uh, well, I look at this guy and I'm thinking, you know, I know this guy from yeah. somewhere. I, I know this. I know this person. I just felt it. I could yeah, feel it. It's like a sort of like a, a wait a second. Kind uh, yeah. Of you know, it's one of those moments. Hey, this is no ordinary person. And I thought this guy is not. And we've sent out a telepathic vibe to call a tall white. I thought, man, this guy, if there, if that's a tall white, that's a tall white. And lo and behold, he looked like a Nordic to me. Hmm. I said to myself, and this is in my mind, I'm saying, I'm not going to make the same mistake as I did when we met our first two tall whites. Earlier in that day, I told them, and I was sending out telepathic vibes, if y'all are kind enough to come visit and talk to us, we'll be kind enough not to encroach on your space and you don't do the same to Mm -hmm. us. Don't frighten us. We won't frighten you. And uh, I just felt that uh, this time I won't tell, make the mistake I did the last time. By telling them I wouldn't get out of the car if they would come up and talk to us so they'd feel safe and my wife would feel safe. Well, this time I wasn't going to let that happen. Mm-hmm. I walked up to this guy and I, I said, I think I, I said, hello. I said, it certainly is a beautiful evening on your mountain, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And he says uh, something like, yeah, kind of like that. I'm thinking, man, where do I know this person from? I got closer to him. I got more excited because I knew I had seen this person out there before yeah, or it's somewhere. Just It's like it's on the tip of your tongue. Yeah, and I'm trying to place this moment in. And all of a sudden, um, I told him, you know, uh, my name is Jack. What is your name? I'd like to shake your hand because mm-hmm. I know we have met somewhere before. And within just a flash, a 
flash of light. He moves probably six or eight feet from me to right up to my face. Hmm. And he has this, I can only describe it as a glow on the end of his finger. And he holds it to his face. And I'm, I'm thinking, I know this. And before I could get this out of my thought and verbally speak this again to this guy, he is right in my face and telepathically he's saying, you know me. Hmm. And I said, I seen his face and I did know him. We had met six weeks earlier. Hmm. We had met six weeks earlier on his craft. My wife and I were invited on six weeks earlier. Hmm. As a matter of fact, I asked him, I asked his second in command if my wife could take a picture of him and I, you know, and, uh, I did know him. That's who it was. It was the captain. Yeah, it was the captain of a uh, from, from uh, a previous uh, experience. From a previous experience, yeah. and that experience was so interesting. I, I recall that her and I were invited aboard this craft. We were actually invited. This was not a tall white, but it was a Nordic, mm-hmm. and a Nordic is uh, people that resemble this. The Nordics, which resemble. Uh, uh, yeah, blonde hair, blue yeah, eyes. Yeah, blonde, the tall. blonde hair, blue eyed uh, type, pale. you know. Yeah. And um, uh, as we were invited aboard this craft, I remember very distinctly walking up this ramp on his craft, and it was a beautiful craft. And as we, my wife and I, my, my, my wife was with me this time, the first time ever that I'd ever been able to carry or have someone come with me. And uh, she has her cell phone, and I'm telling her, you know, Susie, I hope you get a picture of uh, anything in here. And as we walk aboard this craft, the floor is metal. It appears to be metal with maybe a soft underbody to it, like a cart padding or something like that. And uh, as I walk aboard, we're somewhere close to the cockpit. There's a, a beautiful blonde-haired Nordic lady getting up out of the captain's seat. And as she's getting up, she's about five, about five, eight, five, nine. Mm-hmm. And as she gets up out of the captain's chair, getting out, I asked her, I said, uh, would it be all right if I had a picture if uh, taken with shaking hands with the captain? And she said, oh, yes, I'm sure that would be fine. The captain says, uh, and he's he's in a, a, a bulkhead a hammock like thing from the bulkhead out and he is uh, getting out of his hammock and he said yeah that would be fine hmm. and uh, it's the same person he's it's the captain yeah and i remember the handshake distinctly uh i'll never forget this uh he says uh yeah we we will we, we'll give you a picture well you can have a picture of us you can take a picture of us hmm. and i thought wow okay i, I was just hoping and praying susie had enough um enough ca- uh, camera space to get to get the picture you know i thought what a time to yeah. lose your camera at this don't, time don't want to run out of juice now no no way so i thought wow this this would be great so anyway the captain is on a raised level about 18 inches higher than what i am or or so and uh i'll kind of mosey over where he's straightening up something on the bulkhead and he, he uh turns and i have to kind of an awkward stance for a handshake but i have to kind of back up to this 
bulkhead, and he's standing a little higher than me. So he reaches down with his right hand over my right shoulder. Now, here's the important part. Here's why I know, know this is so authentic, the way it happened. That's how I know he's the one on his mountain. Mm-hmm. As we that handshake, what it involved was getting in this awkward position a little bit, where I have to raise my right hand up on my right shoulder a little bit, about shoulder high. He reaches down to about where my shoulder is to shake my hand, and I remember his grasp when he grasped my hand, and he's looking at Susie, and I'm looking. I have to kind of turn, kind of yeah, awkward. You both got a it's an awkward camera. stance yeah. for a handshake, you know. Yeah. But anyway, she manages to get two pictures. Mm-hmm. Once she got the two pictures, I said, well, thank you. And uh, he says, uh, you know, yeah, that's okay. And, and so we kind of look around the, the uh, uh, cockpit a little bit and everything. It's, it's really, really fascinating, you know. Mm-hmm. And, and that was about it on that meeting, the, the first time I met the captain. And uh, the second time, like the mountain, his mountain, that was when I met him. That's how I knew it was thinking it was him yeah to verify that it was him when we went when i said i think i know you i'd like to shake your hand when i said that he tells me telepathically and shows me you know me we've met before tells me that telepathically he says you know me and he's reaching out to shake my hand but he's not reaching we're both standing on level ground you know, where we do the conventional handshake, you know, mm-hmm. is kind of about waist level. Yeah. Well, he didn't do that. He put his hand up by my shoulder, and that would have made me raise my right hand up to take the to, picture, to where you to shake his it. hand. Yeah. That's and, where that, uh, that's sort of where that awkward stance was before. From that awkward stance made me realize this is for sure the captain. Hmm. And I was just uh, elated that it was him. We did meet again. That's the second time we had met. Mm-hmm. And uh, then we began to kind of settle down and start talking to each other. And, and I began to ask him questions about this and that. And <clears throat> I noticed that the dipper was high and bright, really pretty. And I asked him a question. And we're standing there kind of talking back and forth, some telepathic and then yeah. some try a little bit of verbal. And I said, you know, that constellation right there that we call Ursa Major, I said, that is uh, uh, really the lowest star in the cup, which we call Mirac. I said, that is a portal or a stargate, isn't it? And I looked <laughs> over at him and he smiled kind of pleasingly, didn't confirm anything or give me any mm-hmm. information, but he smiled as if he was pleased. That I knew that. And that's what I had been telling MUFON for four years. That's sort of a moment where that was it. His silence says more. Yes. And he he was being (laughs) very amused at me trying to converse with him. And and from then on, we began to uh, converse telepathically. Mm. And that was that was really interesting. And I knew it was him. And uh, I had so many questions I wanted to ask him. And uh, he was looking around at the rest of the group and a lady that came from Utah was standing a little ways in back of me and he asked me, he says, is that your wife? And I said, oh no. I said, this is our our friend from Utah. She came with her father and mm-hmm. uh, her husband. And I said, my wife is over on the bench uh, 
looking around with uh, her dad, which was sitting on the bench. They were talking. And we began to, we talked about many things. Anyway, uh, among that, uh, as we were talking, uh, we were involved in this and that, talking, you know, and my wife comes up and says, Jack, what are you smoking? <laughs> I said, I was almost embarrassed. I said, what do you mean, Susie? What, what am I smoking? I'm not smoking anything. You know, I don't smoke. She said, well, there's smoke around both your heads and whatever he's smoking, you must be inhaling. I said, no, that's not right. I said, you're wrong. Well, she turned and kind of walked away and I just kind of let her walk away. And, uh, yeah, that, that's, that, that was the way that that went. But knowing that we had met six weeks earlier yeah. and the handshake now, was what, it. What she had, what did she describe seeing on, on what the smoke looked like? She said, she told me uh, later, she said, well, it looked like you guys were standing under a fishbowl and it, it just circled both your heads. And the only thing I can think is what that was for was to help me communicate with him telepathically a little bit more clear mm. speaking to someone with uh that's an, an et telepathically is going to be a little hard uh when you really are there in the physical sense you know and um we we, we had discussed many many things it was so interesting it's just really it was a great trip mm. and anyway come to think of it after it was all over with i mean we were so involved with this visitor or his mountain owning his mountain he was telling me and i didn't figure this out till later that night or really was the next day that he told me where he was where he would be in the future and why he was there Mm -hmm. he was there because that was his duty station and he was he was there because i was there also and he was telling me that he was, that was his digestation and that's where I could find him. I'm going back to that place again in the future, probably in another, uh, next summer I'll, I will be going back. I'll be going back without my beloved because she has passed already, but I'm going, I'm going back there and I hope that I can find him and, and communicate with him again. It was mm-hmm. such a thrill. It was a highlight of my life. Mm-hmm. I know I've come full circle now. Yeah. From the secret school all the way to this point, and uh, I know, yeah. I know now that that that's what the secret school was for. Yeah. Now, what everyone is probably asking is the picture that Susie took. What happened? Oh, this is it. Now, here's here's <laughs> something that you people ought to learn from our yeah. our mistake. If you're ever invited aboard a craft, and you you have a camera, and you ask them, "Could I take a picture?" They're going to say, sure, you can take a picture. And then you take that picture and you say, boy, this is great. We got that yeah. picture. Well, you go to look at that picture later and it's not going to be there. You know why I feel is because I didn't ask the right question. I should have said, could I take this picture and leave your craft with this picture so that I might reminisce on Yeah, Can I keep it? Again, can <laughs> I really keep it without you guys taking it away from me? Apparently, they don't lie. They did let me take the picture, but they never said I could keep it or take it <laughs> off their craft. So I'll, in the future, if I get a chance to do that, that's what I'm going to do. So she she took it on her phone. Is that correct? She took two pictures. I heard the cameras click. Yes. And, and and you know, I mean, as we know, it's it's very easy to electronically 
snag that, stuff. That was in it, the dream. Yeah. That was in the dream or the event to where I had seen him uh, six weeks earlier. That was in the event. That was in our trip on his craft. Mm-hmm. And when I shook his hand in the physical form in the front of our front of our friends and everybody, that was that was the, the physical sense. So I know coming full circle from the secret school from the time they were little kids looking at my face so close that uh that was what this preparation was for. Yeah. I just want to get the information out the best I possibly can because this is this is I've come full circle. Yeah. So so pretty much that picture is probably still on his mantle head. He's just got to hang it up somewhere. Yeah, my wife said uh <laughs> Because I, after after I woke that morning and and uh, we were having a call for, I said, "Check your phone, check your phone, see if there's two two pictures in there." And she did, and there were no pictures. And when I I didn't realize that well, that you know, we didn't get it, but he's got it. And I'm just thinking, what is it? What if he's uh, on some off world planet, showing his friends, look, this 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 is what humans look like, <laughs> you know? Yeah, that, that does sound like a lot of fun. It's, it's, you know, having these, these encounters and seeing all these things and, and, and all them just coming around and it's. Oh, one, one part I'd like to, I'd like to make guys aware of too. The next day or the next uh, few days later, we got an email from the lady that was with us from San Antonio mm-hmm. and she wrote, wrote about seeing him and she said, you know, I have to write something about this. She said, I thought the night that we met our visitor and we just, you described him as, uh, we, I described him, I thought as a drunk. I realize now that that really wasn't a drunk because I looked at him with night vision. And when I looked at him with night vision, he looked and looked at me and I, and I saw what I saw was human, but almost, uh, ultra sensitive. She wrote something like that, but he was a, uh, oh God, it was, it was amazing. But she wrote that what she saw was his blue eyes and his hair appeared to be transparent with night vision. And then she wrote something else. She says, but that couldn't be because with night vision, you don't see colors. You only see green and, and white hmm. like that yeah you're only going to see so the she realized what way. she's seen and she wrote it to us in an email and she said what i seen was was uh what appeared to be human but superhuman intelligence super ultra aware and that that's what i i i wanted to tell you guys about and um that was hey, there was more, uh, more a lot more to it I could describe, but I'm just bringing out just some of the stuff that uh, yeah, just that happened to us on the mountain. And then again, after this was all over with, um, he appeared to disappear, and after before I knew it, he he was gone. And and by the time I came out of my fog. I said, where, where, where's our visitor? Where's our friend? Where's the captain? And they said, he's walked down towards the, uh, towards the parking lot and uh, nobody heard him leave. A couple of the guys from the group walked down there thinking, Hey, maybe this guy's just here to distract us while his friends ramsack our cars or something. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, but I knew that wasn't the case. I knew that, uh, this was, uh, uh, an ultra sensitive, uh, 
uh, person, you know, Nardic. I knew he was, he was, I knew he was, he wasn't there for any nefarious reason. He was just there to meet us and talk with us. He was so interested in our family structure, how humans deal with each other and families and, you know, relationships. That's what he wanted more than anything. He already knew. I asked him, I said, uh, while we were looking at the dipper, I asked him, uh, you know, by the way, I said, how did you get here? I said, I didn't hear a car drive up. Did you come by uh, a car or motorcycle or bicycle or did you just fly here? And I looked at him. He gave me a, a kind of a smirk <laughs> and through telepathy, he told me, he said, you already know how I got here. Oh. <laughs> uh. That, yeah, <laughs> that kind of stuff would never happen to me because, you know, I, I, I don't know how I would handle a confrontation like that, but it's, I guess because of, you know, because you were prepped like with openness and stuff like that, I guess you were more susceptible to, to, I, I guess, I believe it all to boil- not be confrontational in a way that would have averted him. Correct. Correct. Chris, I believe that this was all due to the secret school. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was being prepped from the time I was seven years old and going through these experiences, which I thought as growing up, I thought, well, you know, many people have had these experiences. Uh, I had assumed that most people had all had some type of this kind of experience, but I found out just years ago that apparently that wasn't the case. This, mm. this does happen to certain people so if you're, anybody out there is having these experiences and everything take a closer look at them what you think might just be a dream may not be it may be preparation for contact mm-hmm. and they're here they've always been here and they'll probably be here way after i'm gone hmm. yeah, i guess we'll go ahead and we'll wrap it up right now um there's there's still a little bit more to unpack but We'll bring that up in a third installment, which is going to be on the, not this upcoming week, but the next rotation afterwards. I'll try to get that out and as we record it, because we got a, we've, we've covered a lot of ground. I was kind of hoping that this would be just a two-parter, but now it look, it looks like it's going to be a three-parter. And you know what? I'm fine. I'm fine with that because there's so many different experiences that we get to talk about. And hopefully we'll be talking about a lot more different experiences other than just, um, just aliens and stuff like that. There, there's other interesting things to other interesting ground that we will cover. So I just want to say, you know, on the behalf of myself, Mr. Jack Carroll, thank you for joining us. Thank you very much, people. And remember, these visitors are our space brothers and sisters. Don't forget it. They're, they're here to, to guide us and help us. Always remember that. Have a good night. Thank you.